0: as you saw in the uh title of this broadcast i'm talking about dealing with um these are uh three things that you have three decisions i would say that you have to make have to make in order to see breakthroughs i deal with this a little bit in the uh complete guide to biblical fasting which is uh, we released this two fasts ago and then of course last year we released the uh, fasting field guide that guides you through 21 days of fasting and prayer. But I touched on this a little bit in this uh, in this book, and I wanna hit those with you tonight because this is such an important thing, but many people never grab hold of this. And as a result, Jesus himself had to go uh, and, and gain victory over this, and that's why I'm dealing with it. But most people never, even if they gain victory over one or two, you have to get all, victory over all three of these if you're going to see consistent breakthrough in your life. And I want to start by looking with you at First John chapter two, the first uh, letter of John, the second chapter in this. I'll read verses 15 through 17. So that's the first passage we're hitting tonight. First uh, John 2, 15 through 17. And I want you to hear this. Uh, The Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, Now, now get these three, are you ready? The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three things right there. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. So here are three things. And of course, I'm gonna take you back to Matthew chapter four and uh, we'll deal with these Uh, together as well, but um, Jesus had to gain victory in these three areas of life without question. And I said this during the fast, somebody asked me, I was on um, a live stream with uh, Evangelist Talon and um, he asked a question on that live stream. He said, how vital, how important do you think fasting and prayer are for the believer, how vital is it? How important is it really? I said, well, and this is the answer I would give anyone. Here's how important I think it is. Jesus Christ, when he turned 30, was about to begin his ministry. The Bible says that he went down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, who initially didn't even wanna baptize him. He said, I know I need to receive from you. He said, no, we need to do all that God requires. And so John agreed and baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. But the Bible says, when Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Luke chapter four and verse one tells us, and he was led by the spirit into the wilderness, right? For what purpose? To fast and pray, to fast and pray. So I I say it this way. Don't you find it interesting that in Jesus' ministry, the first thing that the Holy Spirit ever led Jesus to do was to fast and pray. The first thing the Holy Spirit ever led Jesus to do was fast and pray. Not heal the sick, not preach the gospel, not deliver the captives, not cast out devils. None of that. The very first thing was what? Fast and pray. That shows you what the Spirit of God thinks about that type of consecration, is that it's a vital part of any believer's lifestyle. Well, you look at Jesus doing it, but then you say, well, was it just for Jesus? No, the apostles, after Jesus left, the apostles did the same thing. And then if you study the reports of the early church, Did you know that they continued on two days every week, fasting and praying? And so it became a a standard, a habit for the early church for hundreds of years to fast and pray. So that shows you how important it is. Well, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness and when he was there, the Bible teaches us the enemy came to tempt Jesus. I mean, you think about it, Jesus was at his strongest place spiritually, but at his weakest place physically. He had not eaten any food in 40 days, and the enemy comes to uh, tempt him. Uh, And I want you to see this. We're in Matthew chapter four now, and these are the three areas Jesus had to deal with. I don't know if you've ever put this together. I had never put it together until Jesus uh, showed me that. The Holy Spirit revealed that to me. I was just studying, studying, studying. And I never had seen the, the, the correlation between the temptation of Christ and 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 that we just read. That, that's the uh, desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the three areas in which the enemy tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And I'm gonna show you that to you now. These three have to be defeated in our lives to see constant breakthrough. And so the Bible says, the first thing after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and was hungry. So can I just stop here and make it one more comment before I show you? Jesus did not do a supernatural fast. He said, what do you mean by that? Um, what is, what is a supernatural fast? Okay, let's compare it. Moses, the Bible says Moses went up on the mountain and was directly in the presence of God for 40 days. So moses fasted for 40 days except moses fast was supernatural you say how do you know that moses fast was supernatural because he didn't just not eat anything for 40 days like jesus he didn't drink anything either he didn't eat or drink for 40 days that will kill you that'll kill you i mean you can't go more than three days maybe a little bit longer without liquid coming into your body. You can't do it. So for Moses to go 40 days with no food or water, that's supernatural. And when he came down off the mountain, he was so uh, covered with the glory of God that, you know, he's, remember this, Moses is spending time directly in the presence of God on the top of the mountain. But Jesus, though he's fasting and praying, uh, this will show you the humanity of Christ. This will show you the humanity of Christ, meaning he's all God and all man at the same time. And the Bible tells us here, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) That shows the humanity of Christ. He was hungry. Verse three, and the tempter came and said to him, watch this now, here's the first temptation. If you're the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Which one of these tests is Jesus facing now? This is what the King James would call the lust of the flesh. His body wanted food. I haven't eaten for 40 days. And now the devil's tempting me to turn these stones into bread. Turn these stones into bread. It's the temptation of the flesh, what your flesh wants what your flesh desires. And one of the things we're defeating through these 21 days of fasting and prayer is what the flesh desires. See, my spirit is hungry, but my flesh is hungry too. But I'm showing the Lord, no, I'm hungrier in the spirit than I am in the flesh. I would rather push my plate away for 21 days and not eat any food and seek your face, Lord, and feed spiritually, and eat spiritually, filled with your word, filled with your presence, filled with your leading and your guidance, right? And so we're taking authority over what? The desires of the flesh. Did you know that Paul the Apostle also said the same thing? In 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven? Paul said and wrote, I discipline my body on a daily basis, making it do what it should. Lest after having preached to others, I myself might become disqualified. So Paul was saying, there are things that my flesh wants that are not good for it to have. So I discipline my flesh and I make my flesh do what it should do. Don't you find it interesting that Paul talked about his flesh like it was a separate individual. Isn't that interesting? He said, I discipline my flesh. So who's the I? The I is his spirit man. That's the real you. That's the you that will continue on for eternity. That's the you that'll spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I. He said, I, the real me, I discipline my body. Amen. Did you know that you, your spirit can leave your body and still exist? You as a person are still in existence. You as a spirit man can leave the body. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How can you be present with the Lord? Because your spirit is a real individual. And that's what Paul's talking about. I, my spirit man, I discipline my body, making it do what it should. Because your body doesn't wanna do what it should, right? That's why you need an alarm clock, to go to work, that's why you gotta wake up. Your body doesn't feel like waking up, but you gotta wake up and go to work. gotta wake up and go to church. Your body doesn't feel like reading the Word, but you gotta make it read the Word. Your body doesn't feel like praying, but you gotta make it pray. Your your body doesn't feel like praising, but you gotta make it praise, right? Body may not feel like giving, but you gotta make it give. And so, uh, we know this because, The apostle Paul is the one who also wrote Galatians. And the book of Galatians says in Galatians chapter five, um, that the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit so that you're not free to do what you wanna do. So what do you have to do? Subdue the flesh, not, and the Bible calls it in the kingdom James, the lust of the flesh. There's things your flesh desires and wants, but you don't give your flesh everything that it wants, right? You don't just allow your flesh to have everything that it wants. You have to discipline it, making it do what it should. Andrew says, I've learned so much during this fast and prayer time. Didn't know that I made food my God. And anything that controls you becomes your God. Anything. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. It becomes an idol in your life. There are people that sports is an idol in their life. Sports is an idol. They can't miss their team's games. They can't miss, or or you talk about even sports people participate in. It's a fleshly idol. It's a desire of the flesh. You know, if you can't go to church because your children have travel baseball and your children have travel soccer and your travel cheerleading, whatever it is, let me tell you something. It would be a cold day in hell that I would miss church because my son got into a travel baseball team. What I'm teaching my son is that, son, church is secondary, God's house is secondary. You know, it'll always be there. We do what we want first, and then we put God second. That'll never happen. That'll never, ever happen. God is first. I'll tell you, when I was playing on a, uh, and you've heard me tell the story, when I was playing on a state championship basketball team, I mean, we were the state champs. We won everything, had a great team. I wanted playing time. Trust me, I wanted playing time. And I just, I walked into the coach's office during the beginning of the season. I knew we were at a great team, we were phenomenal. And I walked into his office, I said, listen, I said, I know we're, we're, we're gonna be challenging the title. You know, I know, I know how good we are. I said, but I want you to know this ahead of time. If you ever call a practice on Sunday for any reason, you'll not see me. If you call a practice on Wednesday night, you'll not see me. I said, I have church. I go to church and church is first. It's far beyond basketball. And so he told me, and he said, you know, if if you do that, if you're missing practices that other guys are practicing, you're gonna have to do something extra to make it up. Now they're not supposed to penalize you, but uh, you know, he said, you're gonna have to run 30 laps around the gym uh, before every practice if you're missing Wednesday nights because uh, I don't want you missing. I said, I'll take the laps because there's no way that I'm skipping church to come to basketball practice. Because let me tell you something, 23 years later, I'm still a Christian. I'm still a preacher. I'm still in the word, but I'm not in the NBA. Amen. I'm not in the NBA. I don't play city league even, but I'm still preaching and I'm still worshiping, and God's still first, and I'm blessed because of my faithfulness. I am very blessed because of my faithfulness. And so uh, you gotta put the first things first. Things that control you become an idol in your life. So there are some people that they're controlled by sports. Some people are controlled by entertainment. They can't turn the TV off, they can't turn Netflix off, they can't turn the, just controlled by entertainment so they don't ever do the other things that they should do. Some people are controlled by relationships. Some people are controlled by substances, actual substances. And so anything that controls you becomes an idol in your life. It becomes your God. I remember hearing Brother Hagin tell a story. When we were in Bible school, he told us this. He said when he was younger, he started working a job where when he would walk back from his job every day, he would pass this old, uh, if you know this, this term, they used to just call them like pharmacies. And you'd go into, not like a pharmacy like we think of it today, but it was almost like a corner store. But it was like a pharmacy. You'd go in and they had, you know, soda on tap. You could get Coke and Dr. Pepper and, you know, you had a little store, you could buy some candy or you could buy some magazines, you could buy some, you know, whatever, milk and just a few, cor- like a corner store. He said, I'd pass it. And, I, and he said, I'd, I'd go in every once in a while and I'd come back from work and I'd go in every once in a while and sit down at the counter and I would have a Coca-Cola. And uh, he said, it got to the place in his life where he kept going in there more and more, kept going in more and more and having more and more Coca-Colas. He said, I got to the place where I was going in every day and having a Coca-Cola. He said, then I got to the place where I couldn't even pass that shop. I couldn't even pass it physically, without stopping and going in and getting a Coca-Cola. He said, it came to a realization, I am bound by Coca-Cola. I mean, Brother Hagin told us this early, early in his life. He was like in his teens or 20s. He said, I realized I was bound by Coca-Cola. He said, when I realized that, I made a decision. He said, I'm not going to be bound by anything. He said, so I made a decision that day for the rest of my life. I will never drink another Coca-Cola. He says, nothing's going to rule me. Nothing's going to control me. Nothing's going to run me. And he testified to us. And when he testified this to us, he was 85 years old. This is when he told it to us as students, 85 years old. And he was probably in his 20s or late teens when this happened. He said, now I can testify to you, 65 years later, I've still never had another Coca-Cola in my lifetime. Never had another one. Well, that's making a point. Nothing's gonna have the, the desires of my flesh. Nothing's gonna control me. Nothing's gonna control me. Some people, as, as, as she said in the comments, some people are truly controlled by food. Food is an idol in their life. Food is their comfort thing. If they're under stress, they eat. If they're, I mean, it just, they turn to food for everything. And when it's happening, there's people like that. They can't fast because I can't, I can't, I can't go without food. I can't go without food. I'll fast something else. I'll fast video games. I'll fast TV. I'll fast my phone, but I got to eat. I got to have food. Food has become their idol. Food controls them. Food control. They live to eat. They love it. And I love to eat, but food, food's not my God. It's not going to control me. I'll fast 21 days. Sometimes we fast 30 days, whatever. Food's not gonna control me in Jesus' name. But then there's others that even fitness becomes their God. Fitness becomes their stronghold. Fitness becomes their idol. And they're controlled by it. It's their whole identity. It's who they are. You know, if you've ever seen this, because and there's no, and fitness is good. Nothing wrong with working out, taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Even Paul said that physical exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable Unto all things or in all areas of life. But some people, fitness becomes their God. Oh, I gotta be there. There's people who work six days a week, they're working out in the gym. And if they're not working out there, they're hanging out with the people they know. Man, I'm not working out today, it's an off day. What are you here then? What are you here for? Well, I'm just, you know, I, I love to be at the gym. They're 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 controlled by fitness. And and I, I wrote in my book on fasting. I said it's not a good idea to work out while you're on an extended fast because obviously you're burning so many more calories and then you get hungry and then it makes you harder to continue the fast you feel like eating because you're so hungry from working out. But there's people that still, they can't help themselves. They're, they're, they're fasting, but they're still at the gym. They're still doing their normal routine. I don't want to lose my gains. I don't want to lose my gains. You know what that means? Working out's an idol to you. You can't even let that thing go for a period of time because you're so proud of your gains that you can't let it go. And that becomes an idol, becomes a God in your life. You got to put God first. And so this temptation, he said, take these stones and turn them into loaves of bread. And Jesus replies, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but what? But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so I want you to see something. Uh, Before we go any further, Jesus is combating this lust of the flesh, but I want to show you what the Bible says about it. Notice how Jesus did it. Notice how Jesus did it. Uh, The Bible says, James chapter four and verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. So first thing, you gotta be submitted to God, right? And then you gotta resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? Because it tells us to do it, but it doesn't tell us how to do it. How do you resist the devil in these moments of temptation? Watch how Jesus did it. He said, it is written. That's how you resist the devil. When something comes at you, comes against you, you quote the word at it, you speak the word boldly, you declare the word. You meditate on the word and you speak by authority to that thing, I refuse. No, I'm not controlled by that. Father, I thank you that your word declares. And then you just start, uh, start quoting the word. Jesus did it in every instance that he was tempted by the devil, hallelujah. What does the Bible say? Extinguishes every fiery dart of the wicked one, the shield of faith, the shield of faith. So watch this now. This is very interesting. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. So it's that word of God that you're receiving. It's the word of God that you're receiving that causes you to have the faith to resist the devil. I can't quote the word of God that I don't know. So that means I've got to know God's word in order to lift up the shield of faith because the shield of faith comes by knowing the word of God. And then being able to do what Jesus did, speak the word of God. I can't speak a word I don't know. And I don't have the faith to stand against the enemy if the word's not in me. So I have to fill myself with the word and then I gotta speak the word to resist the devil. And the Bible says, and when you resist the devil, which I'm gonna show you that in a minute, he has to flee from you. That's it. Glenn is quoting that verse, Brother Glenn, uh, that that David the psalmist wrote. "Uh, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. And then remember, continuing on, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. You'll know which way to go by the word of God that's in you. And so Jesus said, it's written. It. He answers all three times that way. It is written. It is written. And there it is. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word. So essentially, Jesus is saying, the word of God is spiritual bread, hallelujah. Put that in the comments tonight, everybody everybody that's watching this, the word of God is spiritual bread. Pop it in, the word of God is spiritual bread. I love that, the word of God is spiritual bread. You know that's scriptural because the Bible says Jesus is the Word made flesh. But what did he declare in the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter six? I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Hallelujah. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. So the Word that was made flesh is also the bread of life. The Word that was made flesh is also the bread of life. The word of God is spiritual bread. That's why Jesus said, I don't need natural bread. I need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, spiritual bread. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have, I I considered at one point writing a book about Jesus as his purpose coming to the earth. Um, And I was gonna title the book, I still may write it at some point, because there's so much revelation in this. I was gonna title the book, Born to be Eaten. Born to be Eaten. And of course, you know what Jesus said to his disciples, unless anyone uh, eats my flesh or drinks my blood, he's not worthy of me. And so uh, I wanted to just point this out because as I told you that he is the bread of life, Jesus is the bread that's come down from heaven. Isn't it interesting to you? And if you've never seen this before, it will be interesting to you. Jesus being the bread that has come down from heaven, the bread of life, did you ever notice where he was laid when he was born? The Bible said they laid him in a manger. Do you know what a manger is? Do you know what a manger is? It's an eating trough for animals. It's an eating trough, (laughs) glory to God. It's an eating trough. They took the bread of life and they put it on a plate. Hallelujah. They took the bread of life and laid him on a plate. Here's something that'll blow your mind even further. Do you know where Jesus was born? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Do you know what the word Bethlehem means? Uh, The word Beth means house, but it's two words smooshed together, Bethlehem. It's actually in Hebrew Bethlehem. It's Beth, the house of bread, lechem is bread that'll make you run around your living room. (laughs) Jesus was born in the house of bread. The bread of, there's no coincidences here. The bread of life, the bread that has come down from heaven was born in the house of bread and laid on a plate. And then he tells his disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not worthy of me. Born to be eaten, born to be eaten, born to be consumed, the bread of life, the word, made flesh whoo that's why it's so powerful that when you quote the word of god that's the power of christ he's the word he's the word and when you quote it the devil has to flee from you has to run from you glory to god and so the first time he deals with that the desires of the flesh isn't that powerful erica desires of the flesh it's amazing, the bread of life, born in the house of bread, laid on a plate, ready to be devoured by humanity. The Word, the Word, the Word. You know what's crazy is even before Jesus came in the flesh, Jeremiah said that, Lord, I found your word and I ate it. <sighs> huh, I found, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Lord, I found your word and I ate it. And it became unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart or my soul, glory to God. The word, which is bread that's come down from it must be devoured, must be devoured. That's why I write about it in the book on fasting that when you're fasting, you need to be filling yourself with the word because you are filling yourself with supernatural nutrients, spiritual nutrients, powerful thought. But it's the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. You've got to take authority over that. Secondly, the devil comes back again and takes him up to the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple. Says to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you. Command his angels concerning you. The pride of life, the pride of life. Look at this now, the pride of life. Oh, I'm the son of God. I can do whatever I want. It won't, there's no consequences. Pride, pride. You see that? Pride. And he had, Jesus had to overcome that. Look, throw yourself, doesn't the Bible say about you that he won't allow that even the angels to, you won't dash your foot against the stone. He commands his angels concerning you. He'll watch over you and protect you. Then cast yourself down. Can I tell you something? During the pandemic, which was not even a pandemic by actual CDC uh, percentage rates, that's another story um, during that time there were actual preachers that were preaching and saying and writing blog posts on how Christians should not use Psalm 91 to quote about protection because it's the same verse that the devil quoted to Jesus and Jesus rebuked him for quoting it well no you have to remember something remember the context just because we have divine protection doesn't mean we do stupid things we don't just do stupid things i don't quote psalm 91 and then go to the top of the empire state building and throw myself off and say psalm 91 as i fall down to the ground and splat on the sidewalk just because you have divine protection doesn't mean you do stupid unwise things amen and it, and this is where I had a problem with those people that talked like that during the time when everybody was giving, is that me operating by faith to go about life as normal is not unwise because I already have, you already have a healing covenant with God. So it's not unwise. People always, I, I, if I had to listen to one more person, they saw that I kept a full schedule during 2020 and 2021. Well, brother, use wisdom. I am using wisdom, that's the whole point. I'm doing what the Bible says to do and what I'm called to do, and I'm believing God's word. That's wisdom. How much more wisdom can you have than to believe God's word is true and then act on it? It's not unwise to go out. Can I tell you, what people acted like there had never been a virus before of any kind. People acted like there'd never been airborne illnesses before of any kind. Do you know there's viruses all the time in, in the air? There's people catching colds. There's people catching the flu. There's all kinds of stuff going around. But I don't lock myself in my house for the rest of my life because there's stuff floating around in the air. I just trust God. He's going to keep and take care of me and keep me. Same thing I believe. I'm not going to wear a mask for the rest of my life. I'm sure YouTube's now going to flag this broadcast for some reason or another. But I'm not gonna wear a mask for the rest of my life because there's stuff in the air that's airborne. I'm just gonna trust God that he'll take care of me. It wasn't the first virus that ever floated around in the air, genius. And so, like, use wisdom, brother, use w-. I am using wisdom, doing what the Lord asked me to do. And it's not unwise to have faith in your healing covenant. But I'm not gonna also quote Psalm 91 and go jump off a roof, amen. I'm not gonna quote Psalm 91, jump out of an airplane with no parachute godly wisdom that's exactly right godly wisdom and so you have to understand jesus is rebuking him because he says again it's written you shall not put the lord your god to the test don't put your don't do stupid things and test the lord your god amen stop making your angels work overtime there's angels when you get to heaven they're just going to slap you and say what the heck were you doing what are you doing You know, I don't care how much of a Holy Ghost-filled Christian you are. I live in South Florida. You drive on 95 going to Miami. You see people on crotch rocket motorcycles doing 105 miles an hour riding a wheelie down 95. I don't care if you're speaking in tongues the whole time. Stop doing stupid stuff. Stop putting the Lord your God to the test. Use actual wisdom. Well, I've got a covenant of protection, brother. Well, stop doing dumb things then. Stop putting your life at risk to show off in traffic. And so again, what is it? The pride of life, the pride of life, the pride of life. Stop making your angels work overtime. Just do what the Lord's asked you to do. And Jesus had to deal with it. I'm not casting myself off of this high place just because you you want me to. He wants to kill him. Again, it is written. It is written. It is written. That's the whole point. It is written. Amen. That's right. That's Proverbs, Glenn. That's Proverbs. Well, let me give you this. Give you the third one before we pray. Man, these, these broadcasts fly by. I feel we just started. Flying. Number three. Maybe I just really enjoy spending time with the victory tribe. Um, he said, all right, what about this? He said, uh, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What was that when he had to get a victory over? The lust of the eyes. Can you see it you want it? Covetousness, greed, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's the lust of the eyes. I want what he has. I want that. I'll, I'll kill to get it. I'll steal to get it. I'll cheat to get it, right? I'll do it the fleshly way. Lust of the eyes. The devil said, look at all these kingdoms. Look at all this. I'll give it all to you. I'll give it all to you. Just bow down and worship me. He said, no, get out of here. It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I'm not worshiping you, I'm not bowing down to you, I'm not serving you. You know, let me tell you something, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. If you don't know this, that's a real thing, like in Hollywood, high, high places, you'd be surprised. If you saw behind the scenes, because he had to be tested by the devil, Dawn, she asks the question, why did Jesus allow the devil to take him to the pinnacle? Because he had to be tested. The Bible says he was tested and tried in all points as we are, yet without sin. If he was going to be our uh, replacement for judgment on the cross, he had to go through all that we went through. He had to take on all temptation. He had to walk as a man and show what was possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. He had to take our place. He had to go through all of these temptations, and he did. The Bible says he was tempted at all points or on all points like we are, but he never sinned. He overcame temptation by quoting the word of God. And notice this. I think you'd be blown away if we saw behind the scenes, you know, people act like it's conspiracy theory, but there are people that have sold their soul to the devil for fame and success, truly sold their souls. I mean that. They'll joke about it even. I mean mean that for real. There's people, I'm sure they've done blood covenants. I'm sure they've done things that are uh, cultic, behind the scenes. I promise you, I promise you. There's people and they talk about it. They'll talk about it. They'll joke about it in public, you know. And uh, who who was it recently? Um, Tiff, do you remember who it was recently that was talking about, drinking blood it, it was on a talk sh- they literally it was on a talk show was it Katy perry or, or rihanna or somebody it was either Katy perry or rihanna or one of those type of people like that it was a woman singer that's a pop star and they asked her about about it and, they, and she was like no no like i'll i'll drink uh, blood but like not, she'll be like not a lot of blood though you know not so she's like people are willing people are willing to she actually said like not even like it's no big deal to her People are willing to give up a few drops, you know, for ritual purposes. <laughs> like, Okay, who are these people? It's like, and are, are they doing it of their own free will or are they taking it? Oh, it was Katy Perry. Colleen said it was Katy Perry. Katy Perry. So it's like, dude, first of all, who are the people giving up the blood and are they doing it willing? Oh no, it, it, I think it was Megan Fox. No, you're right, Ashton's right. It was Megan Fox. It was Megan Fox. And she's messed up anyway, but God help her. Um. She said that on a, on a, uh, t- a talk show, and she was like, "Oh no, like I'll drink some blood sometimes and uh, and stuff, but it's it's not a lot, you know. It's just uh, you know f- we, people are willing to give up a few drops for for ritual purposes. It's like, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> she said that all so like calmly and normally. It's like let's hit the brakes for a second. Can we back up? Can we back up? First of all, you drink blood, and second of all, who's providing these all these drops that we're talking about? And secondly, <laughs> is it Against their will, or and then what are the rituals that we're, we're talking about? Like what, uh, what, r- what rituals are we talking about? And so I'm telling, and you hear all the stories, you hear all the behind the uh, scenes and all that stuff, you hear all these things, you hear people talking about they made a deal, they've sold their soul. I mean, no, no lie, they've sold their soul um, and everything. It's like, you start to wonder, how much is actually going on? you saw the stuff that uh hillary clinton's campaign manager was involved in uh i mean just crazy stuff crazy stuff that hillary clinton's campaign manager came to light they were attending those dinners that that witch was putting on and it was crazy stuff on the menu and i just there's there's stuff going on we don't even know about i mean you 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 talk about the stuff people in high places the 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 adrenochromatics and all that stuff and i'm telling you there's wicked Wicked things happening behind the scenes. Uh, People have sold their soul for fame, for fortune, for some money, for a car, for a mansion, for popularity. Yes, the spirit cooking, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Frank. The spirit cooking, I mean, demonic stuff. And I'm telling you, they've sold their souls for what? To the devil, just like he was trying to make Jesus do. Trying to make Jesus do the same thing. If, if you want all these kingdoms, if you want all this stuff, bow down and worship me. Bow down and worship me. That's exactly right. All for something that you won't take with you when you leave this earth. And Erica said, I've lived there, it's real. No, it is real. It's crazy behind the scenes and it's wicked. You know why? People have a love of money. They have a love of fame. They have a love of, of possessions and things. And it's wickedness that the Bible says, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not just one type, all kinds. All kinds of evil, all kinds. So, so you look at that, and if the devil could have gotten Jesus into this temptation, it produces all kinds of evil. Jesus rebuked him and said, get out of here, get out Satan. For it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. I love this part, verse 11 is so powerful you ought to lift your hands and thank God for it. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Notice the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let me read you another passage real quick. That's I like this because as he's being tempted of the devil, the Bible says, now this is the same story, but in Luke chapter four, instead of Matthew chapter four. And Luke chapter four says, and then Jesus answered him, it is said you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 13, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You see that, you know what that means? That when you respond to the enemy with the word of God, it's not a good time for him. You know, you've had people ask you that, they'll call you up, is this a good time to talk? No, it's not a good time, I'm in the middle of a meeting, I can't talk right now. Okay, it's not a good time, I'll leave you alone. And the devil recognized with Jesus responding by quoting the word, this is not a good time. This is not a good time, this is not a good time. When you quote the word, when you speak the word by authority and power and you command the devil to leave you alone, it is not a good time for the devil to mess with you. Resist the devil, and what does he have to do? Flee, to flee, to run in terror from you. Woo, To run in terror from you. Glory to God. That's gonna be your story in 2023. The devil, every demon running in terror from you in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Hallelujah. Running in terror from you. Thank you, Jesus. And so you've got you've to have victory in these three areas. You can't let your flesh rule. You can't let the, the desires of your eyes rule. And you cannot allow the pride of life to rule. If you can stay free, just like Jesus did from these three areas, let me tell you what'll happen. You'll gain victory. The fourth appetite that I speak about in the book is that spiritual appetite that pleases God. A desire, a hunger for his spirit. A hunger for his word, a hunger for his presence, a hunger to do what's pleasing to him, a hunger to uh, seek after kingdom details, right? Kingdom priorities. And when you do, whoo, glory to God, get ready. Get ready, because the breakthroughs will flow. The breakthroughs will flow. The breakthroughs will flow. That's why the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow, glory to God, unto it. Expect the blessing of God. You don't have to sell your soul to be blessed. You don't have to do wicked things to be blessed. You don't have to go behind the scenes and make evil covenants to be blessed. You can have your covenant with God, serve him, live holy and righteous in the light and watch because the blessing of the Lord makes rich, but you don't have to have any of the sorrow attached to it. Not any, glory to God, not any, for he's a God that blesses you without any of the sorrow attached. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful to be your children. We're so thankful to be your friends. We're so thankful to be part of the body of Christ. And Lord, tonight, as we stand in faith, believing for miracles, as we come to the final days of this time of fasting and prayer, I ask you, Lord, now that you would, those that are still believing for breakthroughs, they're still believing for answers to prayer. I ask you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, that you would do the impossible, that you would make open doors where there seemed to even be no way for your people, seemed to be no way. I pray that you would bless them quickly. I pray that things would turn around by the power of the Holy Ghost, bring marriages back together, bring children back to their parents, grandchildren, restore relationships, heal sick bodies, Lord, we ask you. Touch people's minds, those that are battling, those that are being harassed by the enemy, bring them peace that goes beyond natural understanding. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we ask you to let our purpose, our personal purpose, be accelerated this year. I pray that before this first quarter comes to an end, there would be such an acceleration in what you've called us to do, such a divine momentum in what you've called us to do, that our minds, those of us that are even believing you strongly, To see these things happen. We would even be blown away to look and say, man, I thought that was going to take all year. God did it in three months. God did it in three months. Let that be our story, Lord. So that when we open up and come to April, that we have to reset ourselves in faith and come up with new prayer requests and come up with new things we're believing for and go after you for new direction and new guidance in Jesus' name. Lord, let this be a year of transformation that things would happen so quickly that it would blow the minds of natural men and women when they see it. And all we'll be able to declare, Lord, is it's the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, that you would supernaturally strengthen your people to do what you've called them to do. Give them divine ideas. Give them supernatural favor. Give them supernatural strength. Lord, I pray that you would make all things work together for their good. As we listen to the song before the service started, we thank you, Lord, that every wicked thing that the devil thought he'd use in 2023, you're making it fail quickly. You're making it fail. You're destroying the attacks of the devil by the power of your spirit. We give you honor. We give you glory in Jesus' wonderful name. There is nobody like you, Lord. There is nobody like you, Lord. And so we thank you and we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' wonderful name. Now, Father, my final prayer tonight is for those to whom you've spoken to become a part of Miracle Word Church. Those that you've talked to, those that you've given them the direction to come to Florida and be a part of this church. You've given them the direction. I pray, Lord, that you'd make miracles happen for them. I ask you that you'd open up the way for them. I pray that you'd provide housing for them. I pray, Lord, you'd provide jobs for them and that everything would be right in your perfect plan. You're the one that called them. And so, Lord, we thank you that what you called them to do, you'll provide for it as well. And Lord, we thank you for every person that is connecting and becoming a part of Miracle Word Church. We thank you for that. We expect to have a mighty impact in South Florida. Lord, anoint us and use us to stand for the move of the Spirit and the Word of God. We thank you that we will see mighty things come to pass. We thank you that whole families will be saved. We thank you, Lord, that people will be delivered and totally changed by what you're doing at this church that, Lord, you commanded. It wasn't our idea. It wasn't our plan. You spoke to us by your Spirit. You told us to do it. And so, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing in West Palm Beach. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' mighty name. Bring them here swiftly. Bring them here in blessing. Bring them here in peace and bless them abundantly as they come. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.